0: Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. So today we have another episode in our Interesting Time series. It is the 1st of January 2024. And what we're going to do today is what we usually do around about this time of year is have a look at the podcast we did on this date last year and Pete's thoughts about what was to come in 2023 and see how much of that he got right and if he missed anything. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move on to what we think might be coming in 2024. So Pete, where shall we begin with this today?
1: Oh my God, it's 2024. WTF? What just happened? (laughs) What a crazy year.
0: Indeed, yes. Absolutely horrible. It's like another same. crazy year on top of a few cra- a few other crazy years. Just really. when you
1: can't, when you think it can't get any worse. I know. Yeah. Well, I shall come straight in here with my prediction for twenty four. It will be worse.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh.
1: But it will also be better.
0: Oh well, that that makes up for a little bit then. And uh, worse and better. And I yeah, will repeat.
1: I yeah. will repeat my famous adage fool predicts, but I'm a fool, and I will predict. And uh, I suppose I advise you to take any predictions from anybody with a pinch of salt. You know, the, uh, p- true pundits who uh, really do study the world and people and history very, very hard. But pretty, uh, pretty unanimous that pre- pre- predictions pretty much a fool's game. It's very, very difficult. So, if I predict, it's because I can't resist the temptation, not because I'm, I'm dead sure that this is going to definitely happen and you should bet the farm on uh, on my latest uh, tip. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't bet the farm on any of my tips. However, uh, trends and tendencies jump out at me. and uh, Well, in fact, it's probably everybody who's mildly engaged in trying to understand what's going on And uh, for the last few years, what we've done at about this time of the year is look back over the previous year and look forward over the next year. And it's a bit of a conceit, because January the 1st, it's a pretty arbitrary date. New Year gets celebrated at different times. I mean, basically, we celebrate the the solstice, because that is an objective astronomical change, you know, an astronomical transition. You know, we go, we have the shortest day. So this game is a little bit of a game that the press play and the BBC play and CNN no doubt play it. People all around the world play the game. Oh, well, let's let's do an accounting. And, of course, there's what we do. This is a kind of accounting, you know, and you have to have an accounting date. Is it April the 4th, April the 6th? Well, January the 1st. Might as well be it. And we've done this a number of years, so here goes. Um, I did actually look, uh, listen to the equivalent of this podcast last year uh, as, as a way of preparing what I was going to say. So in, 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 actually it was about January the 5th or 6th, I think, something of, of 23, uh, we made certain suggestions about what, what you would see coming into prominence in 24. And uh, the, the big ones we got right, I would say, even though they're not predictions, they're they're, they're they're to do with tendencies of what's likely to come into the public view, what's going to obsess the politicians and the journalists, and the the, the general pundits and, and maybe even philosophers and historians. And uh, scholars in general. And yes, we got a lot of it right. You know, we we said we made and made big play, and we've done this for the last few years that, that China. And the the rise of China, you might say, the economic rise of China and the geopolitical rise of China would would become more and more prominent and more and more of a concern for Washington and its allies. And we see this in the context of the US actually entering the long-term decline of its empire. Not everybody agrees. I just read somebody on Twitter this morning saying, oh, it's all bollocks, the American Empire is not collapsing. Because the empire, uh, the, because the American economy is having a, a, a little bit of a compared with all our other global economies, a bit of a burst. Because so Biden did an intervention, he did a, he, he did basically a kind of a, a priming, a QE priming, you know, um, a, a kind of a New Deal type exercise with an emphasis on green infrastructure and so forth. Not not, not on the scale of the of the New Deal, but but enough to give the economy a bit of a boost. So you could be forgiven for thinking that this de- this long-term decline uh, that's noted by such people as Chris Hedges and so forth, you know, and uh, Vijay Prashad, I think, takes a similar line. Um, but yes, we're, we're right about that. There certainly is an enormous amount of concern, an amount of analysis, certainly big changes. A lot of, lot of uh, contradiction in, in the discourses around this. On the one hand, the Chinese economy is in, in, in trouble because of its real estate bubble is about to burst or has burst, and it's a huge, huge, huge market as you can imagine. You know, and there's been some some pretty dodgy goings on there, just as the, as there are they're having the, <laughs> the, the the so-called liberal West. You know, have had the same problems uh, with real estate. On the one hand, and then on the other hand, well, well, you know, look, 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 look how they're forging ahead with the, uh, the the new net zero technology or the alternative energy technologies, which China is is ahead of the rest of the world on that. So we were right about that. We were right about the environment and and particularly global warming, uh, the COP twenty, the last COP, the twenty three COP, not the one we just had. Which I think COP twenty nine. I think we just had. Um, last month, um, but the one the previous year, so it would have been in the back end of twenty two. Uh, we, we saw that the government were dragging their feet on 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 uh, global warming and the environmental degradation in general, and we we expected them to continue dragging their feet. As they are uh, controlled basically, or paid off or bought by big oil, big weapons, big finance, and that they will drag their feet, and that we can expect a load, a load of greenwashing, and that's precisely what we've had this year. You know, there's been a bit of progress because people are on the streets, people are voting with their money. There's a lot of culture war around these issues. Tremendous amount of culture war around these issues, as you could expect, given the big oil pace for culture wars. You know, and if you want chapter and verse on that, I just I'd, I'd sort of I'd read um, "Democracy and Change" by Nancy MacLean, and all of that transpired pretty much <laughs> how we said it would. Uh, we also expected that. That the alternative media would would, would would by now pretty well be gaining a foothold, and, uh, and 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 perhaps also there would be more initiatives in that direction, and that the mainstream media would, would, would again go through a, a slow decline. You know, would would move further into their slow decline, and this this has been this is definitely the case, uh, and of course. If there's a struggle over information, and we keep saying if you control the information, you control the world. The importance of propaganda is something that we always emphasise. And, and, and just, just just general control over the flow of information. We said there would, be, but the, there is already a struggle over it, and we said it would intensify. Which it has done. It's very intense. And governments are trying to control the internet in pretty half-assed ways. Because the internet is, 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 is a field that um, enhances most aspects of life. You know, And the IT, the, the information technology, enhances many, many aspects of life. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but also inclu- including crime, nefarious, exploitative behaviour. They're also facilitated by, what, after all, what is at the end of the day a tool. You know, we don't abandon motorcars because there's such a thing as a getaway car. <laughs> and everybody who travels to a crime probably travels to it in a car. <laughs> you know. And everybody who travels away from a crime travels away from it in a car. But you don't say, well, no cars. You yeah. know. Even though I would say no cars, but for a different reason.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, a struggle, a struggle for the internet, a lot of it half-assed, intensifying, and we expected it. And we expected further surveillance in the same vein. There's more and more and more quest for control, because basically, as, as as the world fragments, it becomes less stable, and therefore governments try to re-establish control, re-establish order, and they will call it that re-establishing order, bringing order back to the streets. They are bound to do that. That is what they do. And that we would see that intensifying because we've got more rules, more laws, more police powers, and she's, she, I mean, we, we see all this, red, you know, we're up close to it in the UK, our governments. Uh, I mean, they behave semi-transparently. We can see what they're doing in, in, in the big the big shape of it. And that is definitely what they're doing. But it's the same all around the world. Because it's the whole world that's destabilising. So we, uh, we we noted all of those things, and it pretty well transpired we said it, it would. Well, the other thing that we did, I haven't done this this time, I was a, bit, a little bit pressed for time this time, but last time I went and had a look at some, like, what I would call establishment predictions about what's the coming 23. And I looked at The Economist, you know, the, uh, the, this over 100-year-old free market periodical, the granddaddy of econo- ec- ec- economic journals in the world. And, uh, I mean, I made the remark that the whole thing, I read it, and it was just blind, it was bland and empty, you know, it didn't occur to him that Biden would, would intensify the Cold War on China, it didn't occur to him to, to, to reflect that Z would probably be re- re-elected as top man, which of course he was. But to go on about things about, um, well, I don't know, I can't remember the exact date. but you know, it's, it's almost like, like pork, pork belly futures or something. You know, they this myopic kind of perspective that they have, and it's very, very disappointing. These are the people who are supposed to know, and then and they and they've got no idea. So, I also looked at BlackRock. You know, so so what did they think was coming in '23? And I would say that was uh, that was an economic crap, and that they did know better than the economists. BlackRock. The ten trillion or whatever it is, the, the the company that's bigger than most countries, you know, that does sh- sh- you know shared, shared basically shared, making making sort of safe profits for shareholders, you know. <laughs> and uh, enormous enormous company, but they they, they, they their long ter- their long term predictions were um, well they expected inflation to continue, but every every kind of Semi-sensible economist was saying, "It, it will it will it'll halve in the next year, just as a matter of course." Or, or, or you know, somebody, uh, somebody like Richard Murphy, who's a, I don't know, he's a professor of accounting or something, but he's he's very knowledgeable, bloke and he says, "Well, it, it it naturally vanishes, you know, all things being equal." But Blackrock's saying it's going to continue, and of course, it did, it has halved. It's still high, but it's halved. So Richard Murphy got it right. BlackRock got it wrong. And BlackRock, I mean, they opined that Russia would gain self-sufficiency because of sanctions, and it precisely hasn't done that. What it did was was make other trade deals with China and Iran and Southeast Asia and all the rest, and, 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 and be sort of right up there in the formation of an alternative bloc. To the dollar block. as America declines, a new bloc will emerge, and we have a bipolar world instead of a unipolar world, and Russia is busy building it. Busy, busy, busy. And i oh look. I, I, he's gone and read the English-language Russian newspapers or the English-language Turkish newspapers. She'd do this occasionally. Just have a little whiz round and see, see. Because they'll say, Oh, the Prime Minister had a meeting so-and-so with so-and-so. Just find a way, just, just just, out of their newspapers. What are they up to diplomatically? They are busy. The BRICS people, they're busy. And what are they doing? They're forming, they're forming networks and alliances. and and currency deals and all all manner of stuff to set up an alternative block that doesn't rely on the dollar and therefore which can can peel itself away from American military power can we say like the dollar is a currency that's backed by war you know you know you have this notion that a currency has to have a metaphysical backing which is the same that a culture has to have a metaphysical it's the same notion This is the same notion that a culture has to have a metaphysical backing by a collective belief in God, for instance, you know. If you want to know where that leads, just have a little study of of Israel, for instance. Um, You know, it's crap. Similarly with money, it used to be gold. Nixon got rid of the gold standard in 71. So what's it backed by? You know, it's this notion, you listen listen to the, 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 you know, the gold bugs and The people who who are obsessed with money, if you understand money, study people obsessed with money. And, uh, you know, they they absolutely crave a metaphysical backing. You know, They they want the God of money to make sure that their money is safe. Just like you want the God of the universe to make sure that your understanding is safe and correct. You have it guaranteed by God, who generally has spoken to humanity through some kind of holy book or some nonsense like that. This is the same pattern in money. Gold, well, got rid of gold, money carried on, so what is it? You know, and then 2008, uh, when the whole thing collapsed, people are thinking, well, maybe there doesn't seem to be anything metaphysical to back money. Let's make something. So, yeah, so, so Satoshi comes out, well, proof of work. You know, proof of work's a metaphysical backing. You know, but it's ultimately magical thinking. So and people saw that there were there were problems with proof of work. So they come proof of stake, matches a bit less uh, environmentally unfriendly and so forth. You know, less pride to fifty-one percent, whatever. But of course, real. the real the 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 dollar remains supreme, but only just, only just. You know, because what well, it? Back by well, what it's metaphysical proof. Proof for war. Proof for war. You try and get off the, do- the 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 dollar standard. You try and pay for your oil in euros, like Saddam Hussein did, and the army will be in. They won't win. They'll have a war with you. They don't win. They never win any wars. But they'll blow your country to smithereens, and you have to rebuild it. And they'll probably get a controlling interest on your oil. You know. All of that's coming to pieces. All of it. To my mind, it's objectively true, and we we could you, you know you could you can you can go and look at the, the facts, the figures, and all this, but you can make a very very strong case for that being the case. Black Rock have no such insights, you know. Russia becomes self um, self sufficient. My arse. You know they sell they sell their oil to China and buy Chinese goods, and leave Europe out in the cold as a result. You know, which is now like shaking itself to pieces with hyperinflation and all the rest of it, right-wing politics, and so forth. So, BlackRock didn't do very well. We did better than BlackRock, and we did better than The Economist. So, where are we now? Well, I mean, what you know, what what was there any, Was there anything else? Oh, there's a couple of other things I noted. I noted that we didn't predict the war in Gaza. Or the, <laughs> it's not a war. It's a fucking genocide. It's a massacre. To Call it a war is is, is a misnomer. Everybody in the media calls it a war, as though there were two equal sides, you know, as though as though you hadn't got the, one of the world's most high-tech armies with with aeroplanes, nuclear submarine, conscript army of half a million or whatever it is. At one point, they had three hundred thousand soldiers around Gaza. You know which is full of libraries taxi drivers, and uh, children and children <laughs> mostly yeah. over 50% of the people are under 18. Yeah, 300,000 troops around you, you know, airplanes, F 32s, or whatever they are, and you know, they state of the art. They haven't even got a nuke. Hamas have got two water pistols and a fucking some bottle rockets as, as, um. Norman Finkelstein calls them. These they have rockets. They have homemade rockets out of plumbing, plastic plumbing pipes, you know, and gunpowder or whatever. So we didn't see that. We didn't see that. See that. But what we said, what we, what we said was similarly the previous year. We didn't see Ukraine and. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I studied Ukraine after it broke out. I studied money after 2008, you know, a bit like to the party. And now one one studies what's happened in Israel after it's kind of happened, which is a bit... It would be great to know everything, but even I don't know everything, you know. (laughs) Anyway, we said said then that we are pessimistic about war. We didn't expect war to magically disappear from the planet. Said it, expect more war somewhere yeah and even though we didn't predict Ukraine, it was no surprise we knew enough to say well yeah I think I had mentioned actually in previous podcasts I, I was looking at that and I thought this is this looks to me like dangerous you know, two, three years prior when the Maidan and all that stuff was going on I can remember mentioning it. Uh, similarly, with the the stuff that, the the uh, uh, the stuff that transpired in Gaza and so forth, which is massive, and massive in its repercussions. Uh, it was no surprise; we didn't predict it, but it was no surprise. And uh, I would say, uh, I, I would say we were right about that. We? we just said, well, all we can say it's gonna these kind of tensions there has to be a breakout somewhere yeah You know, somewhere it will break out to the surface just like you can't repress a neurosis forever without it, without it breaking through and causing some disastrous sort of psychic meltdown or dangerous behaviour or something of that type similarly you can't suppress the tension in the world, the fragmentary forces abroad in the world, without expecting war. I mean, we talked about Gaza, but I mean, been very, very uh, remiss really in, in in not getting more up to speed on stuff going down in Africa. There are, there, there are worse conflicts happening in in, in 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 the Horn of Africa that, you know, in terms of like if you want to anywhere dramatically the distressing numbers of, of combatants and casualties and all the rest of it. Um but not everything's equally newsworthy, you know, but expect more war was what we said, and I would repeat that expect more war you know and the other thing that we we noticed um, and was, was that there were there were there were movements there was hard solid ground work effort being made to produce even more international solidarity between working class people you know, unions, through unions now this has come to the fore in the Gaza crisis Um, we expected more of it but not quite in the form that it's taken but of course it's now taken a leap forward the international solidarity Um, many Israeli enterprises which are generally like military weapons enterprises which which Exist around the world, and there's there's a few in, in 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 Britain. I think it's called Eblit. Is it factories where they make stuff for supply chain for Israeli, the Israeli military. It's weapons and munitions and so forth. Been closed down, unable, unable to prosecute their business, unable to transport their goods, their supply chain goods to, to um, Israel. By union activity, by and, and by union people talking to the workers at the gate, who work in those factories and saying, well, you know, you do realise that they're killing children with the products of your labour, and appealing to that working-class solidarity and that trade unionism. Two, over time, to dismantle these industries, which is, I think, what we ought to be doing. You know, and and, okay, as somebody who, you know, wants to say, uh, working people... The, the working class needs to be given priority in all these considerations. I think that the effort in these industries has to be to to, to retooling them, rejigging them, to, to do peaceful and life-enhancing uh, projects, utilising the skills that they've already got, which are considerable. You know, this the 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 most high-tech, the most ingenious human artefacts are fucking weapons. <laughs> Which is, which is rather rather horrid and rather distressing, and uh, it's the way the way things work, you know. It's that this 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 absolute catastrophe in in Gaza has accelerated the international trade union movement in its solidarity, and this was asked for by the Palestinian trade unions. They put out an appeal over the networks to say, trade unions in the world, help us out, and in Greece in Australia, in the US, in Canada, in in Britain, where people have demonstrated outside uh, the the factories concerned, and they've also demonstrated at ports, or boycotted transport at at ports, and a fair bit of uh, uh, Israeli's uh, militaristic trade has been been, um, constrained, you know, stifled. Of course, the Houthis are doing the same thing, and in the last podcast, I said to you after all, oh, I forgot to mention the Houthis. Because we're talking about uh, the, the the Middle Eastern conflicts spreading, out, intensifying and um, uh, and becoming a wider conflict. And of course, the Houthis are also you know, attempting to stop ships taking um, necessary produce and, and commercially valuable produce to Israel. By blowing the ships up as they go off, up into the Red Sea, including yesterday, a British oil tanker was in flames up there. Yeah, um, but now the the US Navy's in there and the British Navy's in there, and I, th- I think they've blown up some Houthi ships. And now they're talking about going in to Yemen, which is where the Houthis are based, and, uh, and and giving them a smack on the wrist. I think they might have a surprise. They've kind of they've got themselves tilled up over the last few years. Saudi Arabia is pretty well withdrawn from from Yemen because so they can't beat them. Or Iran is kitting them out. Iran is quite a competent competent weapons maker. Incidentally, supplying Russia with drones that they're now bombing the Ukrainian citizens with an intensified bombing campaign on on um, uh, Ukrainian cities and infrastructure. That's Iran. So they might they might get themselves a bit of a headache. Um, in 24 so okay yeah let's move on to 24 what do we expect? well I'd say more of the same I do expect more of the same in 24 to be honest I think the kind of struggle with China will will carry on I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail and I do note that at a, uh, an international summit recently that Biden and Xi went aside to speak in a room somewhere bear in mind america has still got thousands of companies invested in china that america buys most of its goods from china as does most of the world it's now it, it's now doing what what the uk did in the 19th century right the way up till the 1950s in some in certain areas you know just supplied the world with its manufactured goods China's now doing that um, despite the fact that China owns enormous amounts of American debt, it's got massive reserves of dollars, it's actually been working up its its basket of currency with the BRICS, with Russia, with, with Iran, promised Iran in a deal some years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, not that long ago, that, it, uh, that, that it, uh, it would buy 10 billions worth of oil over 10 years for Yuan, I heard a report and I haven't managed to verify that China had actually used a CBD, a government central bank digital currency, to buy oil from Iran. I need to verify that. I'm not 100% sure whether they've got it put properly in place yet. But this is the direction it's going. Michael Hudson's very good on this because he's, he's been helping them to, to work like on a basket of currency, which is a bit like the, ER, the European exchange rate mechanism that we had prior to the euro. But you know you have some agreement about how you how you're gonna how you're gonna let the the currencies exchange, so so that your commerce isn't isn't legged up when the exchange rate changes and you can no longer make a profit because of one move of a number on a spreadsheet, you know. If 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 sudden if suddenly your produce becomes too expensive in America because the dollar moved relative to the rimba, you can no longer make a profit, so. So if these countries are going to trade—Russia, Iran, Southeast Asia, maybe India, china are all going to trade oil, rare earths, manufactured goods, so on. You know they need to, they need to settle their their currencies in a, in a workable relationship, so that there are no surprises vis-à-vis interest rates that make your business you have to stop and start or go bankrupt very quickly. That's all being worked on, and that then is your second centre of power in the world, you know. That's then your bipolar world again. Um, all of that's happening, it's going to intensify, it's going to intensify the military tensions, you know, and of course, the, all the thing, the, the, of course, Taiwan is the excuse. I mean, it's, Taiwan manufactures the world's most advanced... Microchips, integrated circuits at the Taiwan Integrated Circuit Company. Uh, you know there is there is like a an economic reason behind that tension as well, but technically in 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 legality, in international legality, Taiwan is a province of China. That was agreed in the in the late nineteen forties after the revolution. You know. And that eventually it would be re, re reintegrated back into the mainland. And Xi said that yesterday, you know, in his uh, end-of-the-year address, you know. So uh, expect that to kind of get worse. I'm hoping it doesn't blow hot, and I don't think it will blow hot, but I think there's a chance of it blowing hot. In other words, a shooting war. Bear in mind that the South China Sea is absolutely... A, t- a tinderbox of, of military presence, of naval presence, of big weapons, of bases, of aircraft carrier groups, and all the rest of it, you know, and of China building like islands to station God knows what, you know. And, um, America p- paying Taiwan money to up its defences and all the rest of it. So it's going to get hot, it's going to get hotter. I'm hoping not red hot, and I don't think red hot. I've got nothing else to go on there except a bit of a gut feeling and listening to military types. And and I suppose a kind of slightly uh, Panglossian idea that, that at the end of the day, cooler heads will prevail, you know? <laughs> I mean, last year we we thought, you know, that, that war's going to be on the map. and And... We, we hoped no escalation, but we, we thought that other things would happen. We didn't think that Ukraine would spread further afield, but we thought it was not. It was a, we give it a forty percent chance of spreading beyond Ukraine. Look, but a sixty percent chance that it'd stay more or less the same, and it has evolved into like a war of attrition at the moment. You know, bear in mind that Zelensky goes to. Uh, American says, "I want some more money because basically I need some more shells to throw at the Russians. Maybe you could give me some, some F F F thirteens or whatever they are. I don't know some fighter airplanes so we can go and bomb some Russian cities." And Ameri- the, the the Congress said no. And she reminded the Republicans playing hardball with Biden, but they said no, and he didn't get his money. He came to America and said, "Give me the money," and they said no. Reps reps, and Senate. So Russians, Mr Putin's rubbing his hands, thinking, well, that's it now, just wait a bit. Um, but Biden used his emergency powers, because the President has certain emergency powers, he can call them up and bung him some billions, you know, so he could carry on. And this morning he's announced that they're kind of up in their, their arms manufacturing industry in Ukraine itself. So Ukraine's going to become a militarised state. even more than it is, lowering the conscription rate, you know, down into the 20s. So 20-year-old men will be off getting their bollocks shot off Uh, because of a a CIA plot, basically. You know, and and it's a pretty unsavory government in Russia, of course, you know, you can't let them off the hook. So I expect him more of the same there. That will go on. Uh, well, Gaza. What's going to happen there? You know, it's anybody anybody's guess. The other day, I put like a forty percent chance of an expansion. I'll, this morning, I'm thinking like forty-five percent, fifty percent, with what's happening with, with the Houthis hoot, and, and the Hezbollah thing. I will kind of I keep my eye closely on that. Is accelerating. It's getting more intense. Uh, the two sides are agreeing, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, the two sides are adjusting their internal uh, modus operandi for the, the conflict by moving the border, as it were, you know, by saying, oh, well, we can, we'll incur, we'll, we'll do incursions five miles into the border, but no more, or five kilometres. I think they have doubled it to ten, both sides really. So it's like now the field of conflict is now just physically bigger. Because, you know, Israel has evacuated hundreds of thousands of people from villages and small towns up there in the north because of Hezbollah. And Hezbollah, again, is is, is sitting on thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of smart, smart missiles supplied by Iran. You know, loads of cyber rattling and grumbling in the US. Well, just go and attack Iran. Settle all this, just blow Iran up. Well, good luck with that. I'm hoping cooler heads prevail again, but you see, the the, the world is splitting into. This is Michael Hudson's word. As you know, Michael Hudson's the guy helping the Chinese and the Russians with their currency, just on the on the level of economics, you know. And um, he says, well, basically, all of this is the world splitting into, which is a very straightforward way of of, of me saying this thing over. all the fragmentary forces, and it's the world splitting into. Just get it there and then you know so you say well, america's so the israel thing is it's a proxy war, and it's ultimately China, you know cause china china Iran russia this axis there, yeah you know so you could you could say it's it's a proxy war between America represented by Israel, which is just a branch of the American Egemon uh, versus Iran. But really, it's it's uh, also also you know in, in a very cosy relationship with Russia. Um, but it's American, ultimately in a proxy war with China. Yeah. Of course, uh, uh, at the end of this, at the end of the year, South Africa formally issued a a complaint, you might call it, or a request to the International Court of Justice to uh, charging Israel with genocide under the genocide laws. This is official. They've gone absolutely apeshit the Israeli government on this. Bear in mind that they supported South African apartheid, the apartheid regime, with weapons, with surveillance equipment, with control equipment, handcuffs, electric you know, water cannons, electric batons, and uh, g- gave, gave the, the apartheid uh, South African regime nuclear secrets as well, in case there was a, like a, you know, a greater African incursion to, to put an end to the apartheid regime. So, you know, they're, 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 they're not happy at all, and they've never been friends with South Africa. Expect that to unfold. I mean, the way that works is that the International Court of Justice is is, is the United Nations' highest court. It's not completely free, therefore, of the U.S. Um, semi-hegemony over over the United Nations. But nevertheless, it will it will fly. The case is a very very good one. It's in fact an in, unimpeachable one. But the the next move is that warrants then have to be. Uh, 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 put out by a different court the International Co- Criminal Court Yeah, the International Criminal Court the ICC uh, to, uh, now needs to give out a warrants for the arrest of Netanyahu Ben Gavir, these people You know, for them to be arrested as war criminals and, and tried at the Hague and sentenced like Milosevic and these people so that's a foot expect that to proceed, it will not proceed in a straightforward fashion is my prediction if I'm going to make one, but expect it expect it and it's going to be fucking hair raising I imagine so next year expect more fragmentation more cyber rattling, possibly even more hot war and of course always when you've got hot war you have culture war you know, when you've got international tension you have culture war and the culture wars turmoil that will proceed f- from these events in the west as we've seen with uh, again with gaza the culture war over gaza is intense it's intense and expect more of that climate the last cop was a grain wash you've got the uh, uh the, the, the the head the head of the uh, um an oil ministry of an oil state and the head of an oil company chairing the meeting to sort out climate change. It was a greenwash. They were doing deals to for oil behind the scenes. You you, you you got the chairman of the meeting grumbling about living in caves because we can't do fossil fuel and all this nonsense. Absolute greenwash. Expect more of that. But expect the struggle to put a stop to it to intensify and the culture all around it to intensify and get quite savage, I imagine.: um, And this is, uh, this is what we're getting. you know the fragmentation has not been halted, even, even though you could say that this formation of this block around bricks and around Russia uh, trying to overcome the sanctions that, that, that uh, America has led against it as a result of the Ukraine war, whereas part and parcel of the Ukraine war. That is a kind of a, an anti-fragmentary move. It's an attempt to form some kind of a block. It's an attempt to, to get some 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 consolidating forces, some drawing-together forces, as opposed to exploding-apart forces. So, And they will always operate, because when the one intensifies, the other intensifies. And I expect that to move forward, and I think it's going to go quite smoothly for them compared with, you know, how one imagines such disparate states might argue and fight quite easily. As, in fact, historically they have done, you know. I mean, there have been wars between Russia and China even when they were both communist. Communist inverted commas there, by the way. So I expect more of that. Is there any good news, you might ask? Well, I think so. You know, and, and where, where do I look, again? Well, I look at I look at the success of the unions in inhibiting military supply chains to to Israel. That to me is the most significant thing, because that is across intern that is international cooperation of the resistance to the hegemon to the global hegemony ag- 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 by this, this neo-liberal rampant capitalism which is serviced by the American state and the American military which in fact is a part of it, it's one unit, it's called the military industrial complex you know and it's got big pals with big oil because they supply the energy for the whole thing, big pals with big finance because they supply the investment for the whole thing and that is that is what we're up against. Now the other good news is and it's good news that's come out of bad news and and it feels a terrible thing to say because Gaza should never have fucking happened. There shouldn't be a fucking Gaza. The Nakba shouldn't have happened. You know. But nevertheless this terrible suffering has brought people out on the streets all around the world week after week after week after week millions of them record-breaking and it's not fizzling. And they're talking to each other now. And there are a lot of efforts. And I always, I mean, it was a, a, a sort of a bit of a light bulb moment for me. And, and, and our media are not showing us this. They might co- occasionally say, oh, there were demonstrations all around the world. Radio 4, that'll be the most you get from Radio 4 today. You go on Twitter and you get somebody who'll collect all the news clips, you know, in one place. And you can see it in dozens and dozens and dozens of capital cities, millions of people, you know. Probably a worldwide hundred million people. Stuff you never hear about. The Arab Street, we never hear about the Arab Street. They're out. And they all want one thing. And they all fervently and passionately want one thing. Right? And that is stop the killing. stop this killing. We can sort out the politics, but stop there now, right away. Just like a teacher might drag two kids off each other in the playground. That's what needs to happen first. Then we can do the politics and the psychoanalysis and the, and the fucking the post-mortem examinations of what happened. Hundreds of millions of people around the world fervently want that and are willing to put themselves out for it. So my thought is, if we could somehow magically speak to all these people at the same time somebody just put one you know had one tweet and it's it would be well you all agreed on this one thing fervently let's find the second thing that we agree on and when we found the second thing let's find the third thing that we agree on because we will win this and when you have that realization you start thinking well what happens if all these people talk to each other around the world well you realize well the unions have been doing it forever since there were unions, you know. But also, plenty of the, the, uh, quite a number of the organisations that are taking to the streets under various flags and various guises are reaching out to these organisations in these other countries around the world and forming international coordination um, uh, um, systems and networks. And it's happening. It's happening. I'm kind of looking around for these things and I'm picking up four five six different different uh, in initiatives that seem to be very sensible very grounded well organized it's happening and so on the plus side is that there will be more of that and it'll be and that will be served by new media alternative media that will try and get itself out over the internet that in turn will intensify the struggle for the internet twenty four <laughs> The struggle for the internet big bigger and bigger and bigger but also interesting technical development none of the none of the techs going away web 3 etc I think it will become much more of a focus you know so that's kind of roughly where I am I mean well, well you say the economy what's happened to your economy it's gonna get worse more food shortages because of, actually, because of further and further climate disruption, disruption to water supplies and so on. I mean, the Bangladesh, I heard a spokesman from Bangladesh saying, all this cop stuff, he says, you're living in a dream world, you you guys over there. He says, we're already screwed. And a lot of those consequences are going gonna, to gonna pass through. The economy will get shittier in 2024. 20, it will get shittier. It'll pick up here and there, but it'll get shittier. But the positive sign is people coming together, you know, and organising internationally and locally. And it needs to happen internationally, and it needs to happen locally. And it needs to happen completely independently of of the, the electoral politics, which are bought. You've got to do that as well. But if we don't do this other stuff, we get smashed. And human life is going to be a story of misery for a few more hundred years. I suppose uh, downside failures. I did promise uh, that we would look at um, Latin America a bit more closely, and I didn't do that. I did. I did sort of keep one eye, but not enough. And uh, I shall make the promise again next year. I need to look. We need to certainly keep our eye on what's happening with this Milay guy in Argentina. That's a very uh, unsettling turn of events. On the other side, Lula got elected. On the downside of that, he's still got the old Bolsonarist Congress to work with. He has a Senate and a, and a House of Reps, and they're pretty much the other side. So he's he's working. He's having to work very hard to sort of to to, to get people on board of specific and individual projects. He's actually very good at that. The man's a consummate politician. It's actually very good, and has made some advances, but nevertheless, it's a struggle. So more struggle. Need to look at Latin America, and of course, Africa. Big question mark. And and, and my, my question mark is why aren't some of the, the the violent struggles happening in Africa just more prominent in Western Western media? That that you know uh, Gaza can, can can get so much coverage, and rightly so, absolutely, rightly so. It should be there twenty four hours a day. But we also need to sort of look for some even-handedness in, in, in the way we look around the world and the way we appraise the state of the world, I think. And I think we haven't, we, we, we probably, I mean we, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we don't have any resources for producing any of this, you know, other than, we look around and we tell people what we see. But I think some good, promising developments and more of the same and the establishment pushing as hard as it can with more of the same in a coming year in which a billion people on the planet apparently go into the polls India's got a general election, UK's got a general election, US has got a general election they're all over the place and it's going to be a big year, that's what I say a lot of darkness and some light, I see some light too
0: Okay, folks, thank you all for listening. I hope that was uh, useful and and interesting broadcasting from our yoga room here in uh, rainy Wales. Well, I started uh, 2024 with just the last day of my four-day solitary retreat that I was doing in the house Mm -hmm. and um, a good good way to begin, I think, just seeing off the uh, uh, 2023 which I don't mind saying goodbye to to be honest with you and uh, hopefully yeah 2024 yeah. in some respects will be a little bit better but yeah. as outlined in some ways probably not yeah but I hope you all find some some happiness and some good things in the coming year and we will see where it goes so thank you for listening and we'll speak to you again soon